extreme planetary heating, the failure of effective mitigation, and the rise of denial around the world combined to lead to a seventh mass extinction of a species. That's the opening sentence from a story on pearls and irritations by Dr. Andrew Glickson. The story has the headline, Too Late, Climate Change Denial and the Rise of Fascism. Yes, welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I am your host, Robert McLean. This podcast is assembled here in Shepparton, in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Dr. Glickson is an Earth and Paleoclimate scientist. He is a visiting fellow at the Australian National University Research School of Earth Science, the School of Archaeology and Anthropology, and the Planetary Science Institute, and a member of the ANU Climate Change Institute. I'll read you the rest of that first paragraph from Dr. Gleekson's story. While originally global warming constituted an unintended consequence of the 18th, 20th century's Industrial Revolution, the collapse of attempts to arrest it in the 20-21st centuries is already leading toward a mass extinction. But the rise of fascism movements and the neoconservative kin is jeopardising a unified global approach to the climate crisis. Inherently, however, racist ideology, worship of power, glorification of war, the pride of killing and honourable death is not concerned with the fatal consequences of climate change. And you'll find a link to that story in the show notes. Let's listen now to 90 seconds from Yale Climate Connections. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarowitz, and this is Climate Connections. John Deere, the company behind the iconic green tractors, plans to go even greener. By 2026, John Deere plans to make and sell a variety of electric tractors and construction equipment. As a step towards that goal, the company recently acquired a majority stake in Kreisel Electric, an Austrian company and it's building a factory in Kernersville, North Carolina, to manufacture Chrysler electric batteries and chargers. So we anticipate that that will create 50 jobs, including positions for assembly and packaging, with the potential to contribute over $3.3 million to the region. That's North Carolina Secretary of Commerce, Michelle Baker-Sanders. She says she's excited about the long-term benefits of the new factory. When companies locate in North Carolina, and this will be the case here too, we see a multiplier effect where not only the company locates and grows, but any vendors and suppliers that support the company or feed into those supply chains have an opportunity to come here. So the factory that produces batteries for the iconic green tractors could also attract more green to the region. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To learn more about climate change, visit climateconnections.org. Now we shift to a story from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It has the headline, Earth's warmest January on record extends run of unprecedented temperatures to eight months. The story is by meteorologist Tom Saunders. Global temperatures through January were warmest on record at 1.66 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, according to data released by Copernicus Climate Change Service, C3S. The month was 0.12 C above previous warmest January in 2020 and extends the record of warm months to eight, 
following unprecedented temperatures from June to December last year. Now we move to the New York Times, where we have a story about Michael Mann. It has the headline, Michael Mann, a leading climate scientist, wins his defamation suit. The story begins. The climate scientist, Michael Mann, on Thursday, won his defamation lawsuit against Rand Simberg, a former adjunct scholar at the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and Mark Stein, a contributor to National Review. The trial transported observers back to 2012, the heyday of the blogosphere and an era of rancorous polemics over the existence of global warming, what the psychology researcher and climate information blogger John Cook called a feral time. The six-member jury announced its unanimous verdict after a four-week trial in the District of Columbia Superior Court and one full day of deliberation. They both found Mr. Simberg and Mr. Stein guilty of defaming Dr. Mann with multiple false statements and awarded the scientist one dollar in, in compensatory damages from each writer. The jury also found that the writers had made their statements with maliciousness, spite, ill will, vengeance, or deliberate intent to harm, and levied punitive damages of one thousand dollars against Mr. Simberg and one million against Mr. Stein in order to deter others from doing the same. You'll find a link for that story in the show notes. Writing on the New Daily, Parker McKenzie says, Coalition politicians, including Barnaby Joyce, David Littleproud, and Jacinta Najibapa Price, used an anti-renewables rally at Parliament House to make several false and exaggerated claims about wind turbines and renewable energy. The headline for the story is, Joyce, Price, and Littleproud make false and exaggerated claims at anti-renewables rally. The story continues. The three joined at least 11 other state and federal politicians at the reckless renewables rally on Tuesday that a few hundred people attended. Joyce called for continued focus on fighting renewables. Little Proud said the nationals wouldn't spend a cent on hydro projects and Price questioned the reliability of wind turbines when speaking at the rally. In a post-rally press conference, national leader Little Proud claimed, without evidence, that offshore wind turbines would destroy local fishing businesses and drive out prices at the supermarket. There's going to be towers across fishing zones. He can't fish there anymore, Little Proud said. So there goes your food security. There go your prices at the checkout. Dr Mark Diesendorf, a sustainable energy expert at the University of New South Wales, told the New Daily that claiming wind turbines aren't reliable and offshore wind farms would harm marine life and destroy fishing businesses is incorrect. Denmark has three quarters of its electricity coming from renewables, with 50% coming from wind, and it's one of the most reliable electricity systems in the whole of Europe, he said. Now you'll find a link for that story in the show notes. The Melbourne-based Sustainable Living Festival is happening right now. This festival, now the 25th, is a huge showcase of ideas and actions for sustainability. On the website, the organisers say, As our nation is confronted with the realities of a changing climate, it's never been a more important time to accelerate and embrace sustainable living in Australia. The National Sustainable Living Festival is not just an event, they say. It's a movement of changemakers. Its mission is simple. Accelerate the uptake of sustainable living and address the global climate and biodiversity emergencies. 
as climate change continues to threaten the security and well-being of people and the planet. The action we take this decade is set to define the fate of our future. To achieve a safe climate, we will need to decarbonise as fast as humanly possible. This is the decade to rapidly shift to a zero-emissions Australia. So join the Festival 2024 program to find out more about how you can create the pathway for Decade Zero. You'll find a link to the Sustainable Living Festival website in the show notes. Coming up now is a story from the Tampa Bay Times. It has the headline, Florida could remove the majority of mentions of climate change from state law. The story is by Emily L. Mahoney, a Times staff writer. The story begins, A bill advancing through the Florida legislature with the backing of the House Speaker would delete the majority of references to climate change in state law. House Bill 1645 would enact wide-ranging changes to Florida's energy policy, something Speaker Paul Renner has said is needed to ensure state residents' power is reliable and affordable. In the process, the bill would delete eight times the phrase climate change is mentioned in current law, compared to seven instances where it will be left untouched. Sometimes, the phrase is deleted from sentences that are otherwise left mostly intact. In other cases, the bill would repeal entire sections of the law that mention climate change, such as the grant program that helps local governments and school districts reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The bill would also reduce certain regulations on natural gas pipelines, preempt local governments' control over the location of natural gas storage facilities, and make it so state agencies and local governments no longer have to consider fuel efficiency when buying vehicles, among other changes. Yes, we've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. It's been great to have you along. And being a one-man band, I just have to go. I've got a busy, busy day. Anyway, thanks for your company. It's been great to have you with me. Now, please, I urge you to follow this podcast, because if you do that, you'll be alerted every time I publish a new episode. And beyond that, I'd love you to share this. Put it on your networks, share it with your friends, let as many people as you can know what's happening with the climate crisis. So, until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Now take care and stay safe.